This is a call to those who want incredible success, but do not necessarily want to get filthy rich. You want to help others, be purposeful, and enjoy all life has to offer. Welcome to the Inbound Marketing Revolution. This is Dow of Inbound with Ion Garlic. Welcome to the Dow of Inbound, Zion Garlic. And this week, we have a fabulous guest on a very hot topic. Uh, our guest this week has worked with amazing authors and thought leaders such as Seth Godin, Michael Port, just to name a few little guys, and has helped them achieve their goals in reaching their audiences, building their tribe. Um, she also has a degree in, I, I believe, a bachelor's in music and a master's in divinity, which really gives her a, a different perspective and things that we're going to talk about today and a unique perspective. Uh, welcome to the show, Elizabeth Marshall. Elizabeth, thank you. You're most welcome. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Awesome. Uh, you know, I, I've known you for a little bit of time now and, you know, we run these circles and there's a lot of thought leaders out there. Um, and I want to, you know, you help coach them. How do you go about helping coach someone become a thought leader? How, well, how did you get into it to start out? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I am so, um, scrolling all the way back to when I was a little girl, I told my mom that I wanted to get paid to read books. And it's funny how little things like that can come true. Right. <laughs> and so, um, over the past almost 10 years now, I've been working with um, authors and speakers um, to not only help them, you know, launch their books and get their message out, but grow their business as well. And in terms of, you know, working with thought leaders, you know, I believe, you know, and here's a bit about my philosophy that, um, you know, we can all say, oh, this might be a great idea to write a book on or to um, create a business around it. But the thought leaders that really have staying power have a have a message that they feel um, called to deliver. And it's something that they're committed to. And they want to, you know, change the conversation in their field and really leave a lasting impact on their audience as well as their, you know, field overall. And so, you know, what I've noticed over time, Ian, is that the thought leaders that have staying power, you know, really understand um, their stage and where they're headed in terms of their career. And that, you know, having a great message is a huge piece of it. But there's other aspects as well in terms of, you know, what is your, what are the other aspects of your platform look like, such as publishing, speaking, you know, website, media, and so forth. Um, Because you, the the thought leader space is really complicated and crowded and, and it's like so many other business models out there and, and industries. There's a lot of shift and change. And so one of the most important things is understanding your stage as a thought leader and where you're going. That's kind of like the mental strategic aspect about it. And then there's the emotional side of things that, you know, when you have a sense of where you are and where you're going, it can help 
um, mitigate some of those emotional ups and downs. You know, when you're out there speaking to an audience and you feel like, does this even matter? Or, you know, those days that are, that are challenging, which as we know can happen, you know, whether you're a thought leader or an entrepreneur or a leader inside of an organization, um, you know, to, to have that, um, surety in terms of knowing where you're going and belief in the power of what you're doing. Wow. Yeah. And you said a lot there. Um, yes, I, 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 I pause. <laughs> I, get, I can get passionate about these things as I, you can tell. So. I love it. You know, and I, I think there's two big topics that I, I, I want to explore there. Um, first is understanding your stage because a lot of people talk about platform. And they talk about platform. They really mean, you know, having an audience. And I think there's a difference there between having a platform and understanding your stage. And could you explain that difference? That's yeah. That's a really that's a fantastic question. Um, pub, PSA, public service announcement. Platform is one of those jargony words that came out of the publishing industry. Um, to be a descriptor for, as you said, I am basically like having your audience and following and it's, you know, everything from how many newsletter subscribers and social media followers that you have to, you know, do you have relationships with conferences, associations and groups that serve, um, a similar audience. And while, um, knowing, you know, how many followers you have and, you know, having friend, you know, fans and, and readers for your book, that's important. Um, a plat, a thought leadership platform is much bigger than that in terms of saying, okay, I know that, you know, this is the stage of the current stage of my message. I might be preparing for, to write a book or might be between, be between the first and the second book. Or my speaking may be at this particular stage. Maybe I've gotten paid for a couple of gigs and I'm trying to go to the next level. You could evaluate that for all 10 areas um, of your platform and that evaluation of looking at where do I stand at any given moment across all of these 10 areas helps you get a clear picture of your stage. And maybe a great analogy to use here is, you know, thinking about the acting world, you know, that there's some... Um, the entertainment business, there's some really great actors, you know, who spend a lot of time in the B-list actor phase. You know, they get booked for smaller parts and they're doing a great job, but then they haven't broken out to that big stage where they're getting booked as, you know, that lead actor or actress in a, in a major film. And what happens when you don't know your stage, and that can be, you know, both in terms of your like have to do with skill level and experience as a speaker. It might have to do with, um, you know, the stage of your book. And if you do have a book, you know, was it published, you know, how many copies did it sell? How visible was it um, in the public space? You know, when you see yourself at a more an advanced stage than you are, then you might try to get booked for things that you're not, not ready for. And that's not a judgment or an evaluation. But for example, you know, if you're trying to go for, you know, getting picked to be on Oprah, you know, like she's no longer on, but that's that, that used to be what somebody would game for, or say you want to get billed as a speaker for like the Inc 5000 conference and you're just getting started speaking. There's nothing wrong with that dream. But, but when you don't understand that you're as a stage that you're not quite there yet, then you may spend a lot of time chasing opportunities that you're just not ready for yet. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, and 
you know, when you talk about your message and having a message that stands out, um, in, in something that you're passionate about, even if you're, if you're passionate about a subject, uh, will that automatically say you will be successful in this eventually? Yeah. So that's part of the equation. And that's a really tough, you know, pill to swallow in a sense. Um, cause it's, you know, there's, there's two parts of the equation. There's you as the messenger or thought leader and the message that you feel called to share and, you know, the types of topics that you feel most excited and passionate about. And then there's what the audience needs. And sometimes, um, I see this a lot in the, the book writing and production process that, you know, whether it be, um, a certain example or a story that an author might be really excited to share for their own personal, you know, retelling of it and for their own personal story, but it may not be as relevant for the audience. So those great messages are developed in tandem with your audience. So imagine, you know, you go out to speak, um, for a conference or, you know, an industry group and you listen and hear what types of questions do they have? What type of feedback do you give? Do they give you on your talk? What are the key ideas that most resonate with them? If we really listen and pay attention, the audience helps us a great deal to understand how to craft and develop that message so that it's not only something that we're excited about sharing, but that we're sharing it in a way that's relevant for them and practical and applicable. That's great. And yeah, and, um, it's so important to listen to your audience. And I think a lot of people in marketing get away from that mindset that it's, they, they want to be advertising. They just want to speak, speak, speak and not pay attention to their audience. Do you, do you find that often when you're, when you're coaching someone? Well, and I, you know, I think what happens in the author speaker space, you know, which those are my, the clients that I speak to on a, you know, daily basis is that, you know, this can be a vulnerable process to put your message out there. And, um, you know, one of my favorite books is, um, the four agreements and one of the rules in the I four agreements yeah. is to not take things personally. And as thought leaders, it's really easy to say, Oh, but this, you know, I'm really wedded to sharing this particular aspect of my, you know, I've, I've got to put in these three key or four key points or I must tell this story or I must do this. And, and we get personally attached to it and then forget that it's, it's not about us. I mean, it is in terms of enjoying your, you know, career as a thought leader, but it's not about us in the sense that the audience will tell us what, what is most valuable. And it, you know, because of that, you know, vulnerability piece and, you know, taking things personally and getting attached to the outcomes, those are a couple of mindset hurdles that authors and speakers will, um, you know, have to overcome along the way. It's not like an if, but a when and how much. And that, you know, those um, thought leaders that have staying power learn that it's not, you know, it's not personal if you have to cut out, you know, um, your precious little ones, you know, so to speak, in your manuscript or in, or in your talk, because it's all for the greater good of, you know, transforming your audience and creating a lasting impact. That's great. And, you know, I, I agree with that so much. And that goes across any type of marketing because I find that in whatever industry, if someone's too tied in and we talked about, I talked about that recently on a podcast, they're too tied into their marketing. They, they can't cut their losses and they, and they, they stick to it and stick to it. And they, they can't get in that mindset of, Hey, let's do what's right. And what's, what's going to work for our clients and what work for our audience. Um, that's, that's fantastic. Point. And, and you know, what's amazing, Ian, is that, and I know you see this with all, 
of your clients as well is that, you know, what worked for, I see this, especially on the, yeah, the promotion sales and marketing side of being an author and speaker, you know, what worked four years ago or heck even a year ago may not work. And so, you know, the, um, you know, to, to really, um, be on that path to long term success is willing to be agile and flexible and say, okay, if I listen to my audience and I pay attention to what's, what's working, then I can adjust, you know, certain stories that I tell, like certain aspects of my message to meet their needs. And I can then choose marketing strategies that speak to that as opposed to, well, darn it, I wrote this in my marketing plan and I'm going to stick with it no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, I mean, you know, you know, it might seem counterintuitive to people to have a coach to become a thought leader. Uh, but I mean, I, I feel like what you do is so valuable. What are some, what's some of the feedback you get from like your top level clients? What are the big things that they come to you for? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So in here, here's what one of the, you know, whether it's me or, or someone else that, you know, an, a thought leader is, is seeking out the reality of the thought leadership world is that we have the convergence of, you know, publishing, speaking and media. And those are three areas where the business model has been changing and shifting pretty dramatically over the last seven to eight years. And also, you know, aside from those business models changing and eroding and it's, you know, the wild, wild west of publishing, you know, there's more opportunity than ever before to get published. And because the barrier to entry has been lowered, it's very easy to waste a lot of time, energy, and money chasing somebody else's strategy that's not going to work for your message and audience or, going down a path um, thinking, okay, this is going to be, you know, the right solution because there's just a multitude of opportunities. And so that's just true within publishing. And then if you think about, okay, to have staying power as a thought leader, I need to be intentional about my strategy across all 10 areas of my platform. Not that you're working on all 10 at once, but you have to be aware of them and know which areas to focus on at any given time and in what order. It can be really hard to step out of that um, confusion. And oftentimes I will see, you know, even experienced thought leaders that are work trying to work on too much at once and they're either working too hard or wasting resources or they're not making, you know, um, enough traction or they may become, you know, come to this pivot point and say, okay, I be, I'm between my first and second book. What's the right next book for me? Or what, you know, I want to take my speaking to the next level or, you know, how can I grow my business in tandem with my work as, as a thought leader? Because oftentimes it'll be, you know, a key decision that we're facing, a key opportunity that we want to, you know, make the most of, um, or just the simple fact of, I know that I'm called to make a big difference and I'm doing that to a degree, but I know I don't have another year to waste and I want to make sure that I'm moving in the right direction. I find that, you know, because there's so much change and uncertainty, um, you know, helping clients have a structure and a framework, not a formula, but a framework so they understand, okay, these are the strategies that you need to be focusing on right now. And we're, you're moving in the direction of California as opposed to moving towards New York. Cause often if you don't know where you're, you're going, then 
you're definitely not going to get to where you want to be. Right. So that's that's, that's a big piece of, of how I help my clients. Um, one of my alumni clients, Carol Roth used to say that I was her quarterback to help her, you know, make all those big picture decisions across all areas of her thought leader platform. So not just about her book, but about her business and speaking so that all of those pieces are integrated. Wow. That's great. And, and that's such a big, big value because people, there's, so many choices out there having someone out, outside help you make those choices is huge um so let's say we talked to top level clients you help them make that choice but let's say well let me ask you this who could use being a thought leader besides someone who just has a thought i mean it could a business owner become a thought leader that's a yes exactly so um and that's actually how i got into the space that i'm in now so when i first started my business i was working with entrepreneurs and service professionals and had the chance to um partner with michael port who um some of you guys listening may know he's um new york times best-selling author of six books including um his first book book yourself solid and his most recent book steal a show and so I was Michael's very first um, Book Yourself Solid certified coach before there was a certification program. (laughs) And we used to co-lead his group program together. And I would take on, after he stopped taking private clients, I would take some of the private clients through um, that would come to him through the business. And as a service professional, whether you're, you know, um, a marketing consultant, accounting, attorney, you know, real estate does, you know, pick, you know, pick the service industry, being you know, setting intention to say, I have something to say in my industry and expertise to share, you know, setting an intention to become a thought leader not only helps you attract clients, but it puts you on a path to be a recognized leader in your industry so that, you know, at various industry conferences and events, you're looked to as someone who could share your expertise and that thereby helps you grow your platform and your audience and raise your credibility with your direct clients. So for entrepreneurs, it's certainly um, valuable as far as, you know, business development and industry recognition, but certainly for leaders inside corporations as well. You know, we're definitely in an age where um, intrapreneurship is a really important part of helping larger organizations grow and stay competitive. So I've definitely had, um, you know, mid-level leaders to executives inside big um, corporations or as well as mid-sized companies for that matter, um, that I've, you know, helped develop as thought leaders because we're in this day and age where, um, you know, if you're in any kind of position of leadership, the public, your customers, the wider audience do expect you to have some sort of, you know, point of view and perspective on, you know, industry changes and shifts, um, things that might be happening in your particular market, you know, challenges that clients are having. And so, you know, whether it's fair or not, you know, leaders are expected to have, you know, um, a thoughtful answer and a perspective to a lot of things that are happening in a white, in the wider marketplace. So that can certainly help, you know, an executive set themselves apart. And then of course, for consultants, um, which is part of the service industry, but it's, it's a really key piece to distinguishing yourself from the competition and showing, you know, I believe, I say competition, but I, I believe there, you know, there's plenty of work to go around and there's some people we're meant to serve and we attract the right people. But that being said, it helps you attract your right people by being out there sharing, you know, sharing articles, speaking, um, 
to show how your work is not just how your work is different, but you know, how do you come, you know, what is your perspective and your mindset in terms of how you do the work that you do? Wow. Wow. That, that's a lot to do. <laughs> yeah. And the, you know, the thing is you can start, you know, s- simply, you know, for those of you listening, if you're not, um, you know, if you don't currently have a content marketing plan, you know, start with one baby step to say, okay, I'm going to write an article, like a tips article, you know, the, you know, five mistakes to avoid if you're, you know, trying to buy your first starter home or, you know, the three questions to ask before you hire an intellectual property attorney or, you know, the four criteria you need to evaluate X, Y, and Z. You can start with, you know, some small content pieces, you know, some, um, and, and here's, here's an important piece too, is to know yourself and know your skills. Some of you listening may, um, know that you really like writing and you like the written word. And so starting with articles could be a great way to do it. Others love speaking and don't, you know, might like to have a couple bullet points to share, but like to share off the cuff. Well, there's a lot of great tools to do that. You can, you know, record YouTube videos, but you know, there's tools like Periscope and Meerkat and others where you can record some, you know, live in the moment videos to share with your audience. And over time, as you start, um, you know, sharing certain pieces, you know, think about your work that you do on a daily basis and say, "Mm, I really have an opinion about this. And I know that some people talk about, you know, this aspect of my industry in a particular way, and I actually see it differently. We, you notice the things that you care about and, and test it out and see, you know, what that sounds like in the form of an article, a video, or, you know, podcast or, or whatnot. And then over time, you can say, hmm, there's a theme there. And you start to see how small topics and articles can aggregate and you can see larger themes beginning to emerge. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's fantastic advice. And, uh, but a, a lot of people out there, I, I mean, the, do you outsource becoming a thought leader? Because, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people out there that just want to ghostwrite a book, have someone else do the videos for you, and and, and it all be done. Yeah, uh, yes, if, if it were only that simple. <laughs> <laughs> so what I believe is, and, and here's where my point of view and perspective comes in and how I, you know, a point of distinction for me in, in my field is that I believe that you can definitely work with a strategist and a coach to help you um, develop and shape and refine your idea. But ultimately, it has to come from you. Sure, you know, big time celebrities and, you know, sports superstars, you'll see that they have ghost written books and somebody's basically, you know, um, writing it for them. But even in that process, like when those big time, um, you know, big celebrities that we, you know, see out there, you know, across politics, entertainment and, and sports, even when a book is ghostwritten, somebody has sat down with them to interview them hours and hours of, you know, interviews, um, to come up with a perspective for that particular book. But the reality is most of us do, do not have that cash flow, that money to pay for, and it doesn't make sense from a business model's perspective to pay for that ghostwriter. Um, so at the end of the day, though, it's, it is about having a particular point of view and something to say about a particular topic that aligns with 
say the work that you're doing with clients in a consulting capacity or in a training capacity or in your work with the, as a leader inside of an organization, um, a great, a great way to develop that point of view and, and begin to get a sense for, of what your thought leadership might sound like is to, um, play this game, to go to Amazon and to look up, you know, books on, um, okay, so let's just say, you know, generations in the workplace, because this was a, t- was a topic of conversation earlier today. Um, you might go Google and see, okay, what are all the books out there talking about generations on the workplace or millennials and marketing or, um, you know, commun- certain communication skills? You can look at your particular topic and say, what are the big books that come up when I put in these keywords, have I read these bo- these books? What is being currently said on the topic? And what can I add to that? What would I say differently? What do I agree with? What do I not agree with? And as you start, um, this is actually a principle from the, um, my background in divinity. There's, you know, the study of theology um, is often, there's a, a practice called apophatic th- theology in that you say what God is not. Well, it's, it's easy to look at a topic and say, well, I don't, like, I actually have something different to say about this. I don't agree with this. I would do this differently because then you can turn it around in a positive way and say, okay, then what do I believe? What is true here? How would I say things differently? Or how would I combine these two principles into a third, you know, merging of the two that would be a new, totally new principle. And so by taking a look at what's been said before and getting a feel for the collective conversation, then you can get a sense of what you can add and change. Wow. That, that was a great tip. I love that. I've never heard that before. And, and uh, that's a fantastic tip for figuring out your message. I appreciate that. You know, and just as a, um, as an add on to that for those listening that, you know, have, um, an established audience and could, you know, potentially seek out a traditional publisher and an agent. That's very much an exercise that you'll have to do as part of writing a proposal, or it would be a question that you would have to answer, you know, in conversation with an agent or with a traditional publisher. They want you, it's called the, com, you know, comparative book list. They want you to know that you're familiar with, um, the books on your particular topic. Both the big leader, you know, like big popular books that have sold, you know, several thousand copies, as well as, you know, mid-level books that may not have sold as much that you have a sense of, you know, what's been said and what's, you know, was said five years ago and how um, the collective conversation has changed. Okay. Yeah, that's that's another piece of great advice, too, because people get so heads down that they're not paying attention to the competition sometimes as well or not competition. But and I agree with you, too the the different points of view because there is a a I'm big believer in abundance and you know everyone can have their own point of view and we'll have different tribes and different people within each of those point of views. That's right. That's right. And yeah, it can be tempting, you know, here's the emotional side of the equation again. You know, as you're working on, you know, cer- cer- certainly during the book writing process this comes up, but even if you're writing on like, you know, just working on a signature, you know, article or ebook or video series, it can be easy to, you know, feel like, oh, I just, I don't want to look at what everybody else is doing because not only it might influence my thinking, but I'll be, you know, be afraid to share it because I don't want people to steal my ideas, you know, 
as our friend Seth likes likes to say, you know, if somebody's stealing your ideas, <laughs> that's a good sign. You know that you know you've got <laughs> something um, you know worth talking about and worth mentioning. And um, you know, it's it's easy to write a book or to work on our thought leadership in isolation, but you know, the most the greatest ideas can come in conversation. You know, with your you know with your audience, and then by looking. Um, out there to say, okay, this is what I have to add. Now, granted, at certain stages, you know, you might want to get down all of the ideas that you have, you know, say for a particular video or article or book down first and then say, okay, then how does this, you know, where does this fit into the equation? You know, there's, there's definitely a, um, a sequencing there, you know, to make sure you don't kill your own creative process. But at a certain point, you know, that has to happen. So when someone works with you, do you go through all this stuff with them? Yeah. So it's, you know, it depends on the, there, here's their word again, stage, you know, yeah, it depends on the, um, the stage, um, in which we begin to work together. Some clients, um, will start working with me between, um, their first and second book, or they might come to me after the book is written. So depend, you know, but if they do, if we begin working together as they're preparing, um, to write the book, certainly, yes. Yeah, that becomes um, a part of the conversation. But really, in a way, it's 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 an ongoing exercise. You know, how I was saying earlier about, you know, the our relationship with our audience is this two-way circular conversation. So as we go public with the message, you know, whether it be in the form of an article, a video, an in-person workshop or keynote, and we listen for that feedback, we receive it, we hear what key themes are resonating, then we kind of come back to our home base and work on the message, evolve, you know, might give feedback, might give rise to a new idea or a new example or a new story. And then you shape the message and then you go back out and share it again. And then it's, you get more feedback so that it it continues to evolve and grow. So I believe that our message is a living, breathing entity. And so a book is like a snapshot, you know, of that message at any given point in time. And the, you know, the more on a regular basis, as you're sharing it, you're going to continue to evolve and grow um, the message. That's such a good point too, because we all are afraid to put our message out till it's perfect. Yes. There's no perfection. (laughs) Yes. That's such an important mindset. It really, it really is because the perfectionism um, this, and this is what's so heartbreaking for me is that I'll see like an author will, you know, work, um, want to save the message until it's perfect. And they miss out on all these amazing opportunities to share it right now. And it is a vulnerable exercise, you know, to go out there and I'm not saying you don't prepare, but, you know, imagine you're prepared, you give a great, you know, talk to your industry group, you come on someone's you know, podcast to share an idea, you, you know, release that article for the first time and you may get some feedback on, you know, areas that you'll need to strengthen, but that's part of the process. You can't, good ideas don't become great ones without conversation and feedback. I love that you, that you work the good to great in there. Yes. I thought (laughs) you'd enjoy that. Yes. So yeah, I mean, it's it's just, and, and actually, you know, here, this, um, ties in with my background and music, um, so anyone who has training in the arts, you know, be it music, dance, theater, um, there's the concept of the masterclass. And then, you know, 
um, on a weekly basis in college or certainly several um, times a semester, we would have master classes where you know, you'd be you'd perform you know part of your piece or an entire piece in front of your peers. You know, I was an oboe major in college, and like so, we'd have our oboe studio and we perform for one another and our teacher would give us feedback but I would also we'd also get feedback from our peers and it wasn't it's such a different mindset because in the artistic community you know when you you want to prepare as I said but you don't go in there thinking oh my gosh this has to be perfect or I'm gonna die and it's terrible the mindset is this like learning laboratory where you're there to to grow and develop and get better and and you're on that path of mastery um, whereas in the business world, we can see it as like this failing that, you know, to get um, feedback in this public space is like, oh, my gosh, I just can't do it. It, it is a vul- vulnerable process. But the, you know, the artistic approach to, um, you know, the ma- path of mastery and that masterclass mentality is what's essential to becoming, you know, a thought leader that has staying power and to creating a message and a platform and a business that, you know, has longevity. Wow. I love that. Um, Elizabeth, if someone wants to get to work with you, I, well, I, first of all, you have some tips I see on your website, uh, the insights for thought leaders at elizabethmarshall.me. Um, yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, those, I'm assuming those apply to anyone, even if they're considering becoming a thought leader. Abs- yes, absolutely. Um, and, and another thing too that's um, tied, you know, once um, you grab those insights, I had an article series um, that came out of a keynote that I did for the Greenleaf Author Summit on just the emotional journey of being a thought leader and, you know, what that's like beyond like the left brain strategy and the steps that you take. So you'll have access to that as well. Wow. Yeah, that's great because, that, you know, we didn't really talk too much about that, but the emotional journey, I think is a big part of it. And you said at the top, at the beginning of the podcast, it, that time where you think, does this matter? And I think that in writing a book, I mean, I've written a few and, and in putting, producing any content, you hit that point where you're like, this really sucks. Does this really matter to anyone? And that emotional journey is really tough. It is. And I mean, I think it, that's why it, two things, number one, keep the testimonials and the feedback you know, that you receive from people. Cause there may be days that you need to reference that and remind yourself that it does matter. Um, and then that's why it's so important to, um, choose a path where you're committed to the message. It's not just kind of the message, you know, the flavor of the month, that it's something that you're really passionate about. And it's, you know, part of your greater purpose and calling as opposed to something that makes sense on paper. Cause if it's, you know, a book or a topic or a keynote that you feel like, you know, you're trying to talk yourself into being, you know, committed to it and really excited, then those days that you feel like it, you know, nothing's really happen happening, like it'll be very easy to quit. Yes. You yeah. will. I mean, most people do quit because it's as, um, Seth talked about in his book, you know, the dip, you know, getting through that dip is that greater sense of purpose and mission that allows us to get through those really challenging days. Oh yeah. It's so important. So, so important, especially as you grow because it'll become harder and harder. It's easy at the start, right? Exactly. It's, it's that proverbial, like, yeah, mile 10, mile 15 in the marathon. Yep. (laughs) 
Um, and so if someone wants to work with you, uh, how do they go about doing that? If they're thinking about becoming a thought leader or they're, you know, in the interim stages. Yeah. So I, um, I often recommend that people read, you know, um, read through the pages of my website, look at the thought leader platform diagnostic and look at the private consulting page. Cause it's very educational in nature and will give you a sense of what the thought leadership world looks like. So you have a greater sense of what you might, might or be considering or walking into. And then certainly, um, if that's, you know, resonating with you or, you know, for sure that that's, you know, the next step that you want to take, um, if you click on the contact, um, form, you can send me a note and, um, then we can set up a strategy assessment call. Yeah. And, and for anyone that's out there, I mean, I, I know Elizabeth and I, I highly suggest it because there's not a single person that's worked with you that hasn't said amazing things about you. Oh, well, thank you. I love what I do and yeah, feel grateful <laughs> that I get to work with such incredible people. So awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Um, I just have a few more questions that I always ask. Um, you know, we talked a lot about mindset and working on them. What is the mindset you're working on right now? Yeah. So the, I feel like this one has been ongoing, but it's, um, so important in the space that I'm in is just the ability to pivot, you know, to really have, you know, as we talked about having like a dynamic, um, flexible strategy, you know, as a thought leader, I believe this is also true for entrepreneurs and any business that you're in and to really look and say, okay, this is, you know, based on everything that I know right now, this is the direction we're heading in. And then based on, you know, feedback, things that are happening, be prepared to pivot. So um, really quick example of that is that say you might be targeting an industry association or organization that you want to get to know either because you want to speak for their conference, you want to um, be picked to be a guest on their webinar series or for a guest article or any of those things and nothing's happening. Well, you never know what's going on inside that organization. They could be having a total reorg and like a leadership meltdown. And sometimes the timing is, it might be the right organization at the wrong time, or it might be an organization that looks good on paper, but it's just not the right fit for you. So instead of, you know, beating yourself against head against the wall or trying to force an outcome, be ready to pivot and say, okay, this might these qualities of this organization might be from what I'm looking for and find other opportunities that are similar instead of being attached to a particular outcome. Wow. That's great. That's that. that yeah. That's a, t that's an important thing to be working on too, because people do get attached to outcomes. It uh, is. And it's, it's so often, I can't tell you how many authors like who have literally been on Oprah on like huge stages that, you know, those opportunities rarely produce like the, I'm going to be set for life. I've won the, won the lottery type of effect. <laughs> and, and, it, and rather it's the consistency and ubiquity. So, um, one of my clients who, um, who has served, um, done quite a bit with the project management institute, it started with one like small book, book club, um, Q and A session that led to webinar. At this point, she's spoken, she's given, three keynotes for them and spoken all over, all over the world, you know, um, both domestically and internationally. And she's probably reached a million people just within PMI alone. And if she had poo pooed those starting, just those first steps, she would have never reached the level of impact and depth that she has with this organization. 
Yes, that's so true. And I tell people that all the time. They're like, well, I want to have 10,000 followers. I'm like, well, you have to have 10 followers before you can have 10,000. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're, you're not going to leapfrog straight to 10,000. That's, that's right. That's right. Um, unless you did something really, really bad. <laughs> right. You can buy them, but it doesn't mean that they're, they're your followers. Yeah, exactly. Ex- exactly. Um, and then what's the book that's been most influential? You've mentioned Four Agreements, which I love, or that you've read lately that you enjoy the most. So I'll tell you one. Uh, yeah, I love The Four Agreements. If you haven't read The Four Agreements, um, that's so powerful um, by Don Miguel Ruiz. But I would say a book that I've actually revisited um, by Todd Cashton is a book called Curious. Oh, I love it. And yeah, curious. Um, yeah, that's right. You heard, um, Todd speak at book breakthrough and, um, curious is such an amazing book because, you know, so often what will happen is that, you know, we get, it ties into what we were just talking about, like getting fixating on outcomes or thinking things have to happen in a certain way. And in this age where the pace of change, the amount of complexity that we're facing and the speed in which things evolve, it can be easy to really get stuck in our thinking and not see solutions and being curious and looking at things with fresh eyes um, as children do uh, are innately, you know, somehow we lose this ability over time. But if we really flex our curiosity muscles and look at things from different perspectives, it can really open up like, like tangible business opportunities, you know, new ways of serving clients. Um, new offerings that we can make in partnership with organizations and groups and new ways to impact people. So it's a, it's a great book. You can't miss it. It's a neon yellow cover with <laughs> the title curious in black. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great book and I've recommended quite a few people. I've, I've read slash listened to it twice. And I have to say, you know, it, it's funny. Um, I love his stuff, but also I, um, when Mike McCallowitz, when we were at, um, uh, heroic public speaking. He's like, read your own book. And I thought about it because his second book, he read this first, uh, Todd read his first book, but he didn't read his second book. And what a difference that makes in, in audio and audible, I think. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because uh, Michael, Michael Port, Seth Godin, um, you know, they all read their own book and you feel so much more connected to the material. Um, and also, uh, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, My- Malcolm Gladwell. All of them, they're, it, it makes the material come alive. Absolutely. There's no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just, on a side note for anyone that cares. Um, and what's, what's the, you big know what you do? Cause you, you have to like reference certain points of your book and yeah, exactly. You can't just write it and put the blindfold on. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the way, uh, Mike read profit first too, because he kind of read it on conversational tone. Uh, Gary Gator, Gary Vaynerchuk does that. And a few people where they kind of read it and then comment on it. And which I love, I love that format. So, um, Anyways, on a side note, well, not, not on a side note, on a big note, what's your favorite quote? Yeah, so I would have to say mm, um, the Albert Einstein quote about, you know, the, like, our problems can't be solved with the same level of thinking. <laughs> you know, the solutions are not going to be found at the same level of thinking that we created the problem. So I'm paraphrasing, but um, it's it's true. You know, we're being called, you know, wh- no matter, like, where we are with our business, with our work, you know, inside our organization, we're called to um, be thinking and looking at things in different ways. So everything that we can do to develop our mindset, to literally see new possibilities 
that weren't there before and up-level our thinking, you know, beyond um, the level in which we created, you know, the current situation is so important. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it's so, so true because people butt their heads against the wall without trying to change their mindset. Um, Awesome. Elizabeth, thank you so much. It's elizabethmarshall.me and you can go there, sign up to get her insights for thought leaders and if you're lucky, you might get a chance to work with her someday. Uh, she's fantastic. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you all for listening to Dial of Inbound. This has been Ian Garlic, and I really appreciate you taking us along on your journey. 